0: Welcome to the Syracuse Football Heavy Edition of the Syracuse Sports Podcast. My name is Brent Dax. It is awesome to have you here. Now, where did you find this little podcast? Did you get it off social media? Fantastic. Did you find it right on Syracuse.com? Always a good thing, but you should know that you can subscribe to this podcast, if you go into iTunes or Google Play and just search Syracuse Sports Podcast, hit that subscribe button. You will get new episodes of the Syracuse Sports Podcast whenever we do them. We're also on SoundCloud, so please subscribe, listen however you want. It's a free country; you can listen to the show as best as you can, when you can, however you can. But we would appreciate it if you would subscribe so you know exactly when those new episodes pop up. As mentioned, a lot of SU football today coming off that oh so close loss to Clemson Nate Mink Stephen Bailey they're on the beat for syracuse.com we're going to do a little round table coming up on that loss to Clemson and what Syracuse can expect going forward but just a little but just a little recap on that game and kind of a big picture thought from me on Syracuse football right now first of all they're not ranked as we speak They should be ranked as we speak. I am an Associated Press voter. I voted Syracuse in my top 25 this week because they deserved it. I didn't vote Syracuse in because of the good old college try they gave against Clemson or because Syracuse fans have been screaming at me on Twitter for the last two weeks to do it. I vote every team in the poll with the same criteria if I feel you're one of the best 25 teams in college football, I look at stats, I look at numbers, I look at trends, I look at records against opponent. And that's where I think Syracuse has a bit of an edge on a couple of teams that are in the poll. If you look at teams that are in, Colorado got into the poll, for example, and they're 4-0, and they're a good team, and I don't have a huge beef with Colorado being in the poll. I do have a bit of a beef with this, though. When you look at their records against FBS opponents, that's a combined 1-12, Colorado State, Nebraska, and New Hampshire. When you look at Syracuse, their combined record against FBS opponents is 12-8. and eight. Virginia Tech got in the poll after beating Duke this past week, and Duke was a ranked team. Virginia Tech deserves that. They've been all over the place, losing to Old Dominion and then beating Duke. But listen, that's college football. you got to go with the ebb and flow of college football But if you look at each team's one loss, Syracuse lost to Clemson, a top-five team. Virginia Tech lost to Old Dominion. I think that gives Syracuse an edge to be in the poll over Virginia Tech. Now, in my poll, I had them both in. I left Colorado out. I had Syracuse in. I had Virginia Tech in. I felt Oklahoma State deserved to be in the poll. There they are. So we can debate this all day. There's undefeated teams like South Florida and Cincinnati that did not get into the poll. Bottom line, Syracuse is knocking on that door. They were 28th in both the AP and the USA Today coaches poll, meaning what? Well, twenty-eighth means you were third in the others receiving votes category. It means you are at the top of the list. So when a few teams lose at the bottom of the poll next week, and inevitably they will. I've been doing this poll for six years, and I can tell you that each week two or three new teams on average get in because that's just how things go in college football. Syracuse's task now is to not slip on a banana peel. For example, they go to Pittsburgh this week. Pittsburgh is a team that's lost two in a row. They just got smoked by Central Florida, who has proven to be legit, even with Scott Frost taking off. Mackenzie Milton, their quarterback, has got a lot to do with that. But Pittsburgh is struggling. That being said, Syracuse has not won a football game in Pittsburgh since 2001. So this is going to be a huge challenge for the Syracuse team to overcome, even though on paper the matchups look like they overwhelmingly favor the Orange, and they do. But what comes out of that Clemson game is this. No one left on the Syracuse schedule. Do you look at and say, no way. When you push Clemson, a team that's been in the national championship game and the college football playoff three years in a row. A team that is right up there with Alabama as one of the most established programs in college football. There is no one left on this twenty seven or pardon me, there is no one left on this twenty eighteen Syracuse football schedule where you say, Uh uh-uh, uh, can't do it. Even Notre Dame Notre Dame, who this past weekend smoked Stanford and solidified itself as a legit college football playoff contender this year. That game is in New York City. It is in November. Who knows what both teams will look like by then. Syracuse absolutely has a shot in that game, particularly on neutral ground. It's interesting that they gave Clemson a pop on the road but couldn't come through. You don't get Notre Dame at the Carrier Dome. And let's not forget, before SU fans complain, Notre Dame moved that game to New York City, not Syracuse. That game was originally supposed to be in South Bend this year. You would prefer it to be in New York City, given the strong alumni base and the fans that will show and be loud at Yankee Stadium later this year. We mentioned the Pitt game. Syracuse gets a much-deserved bye after that. North Carolina and NC State to follow at the Carrier Dome, two games that Syracuse absolutely can win. North Carolina is a mess. NC State's good. Ryan Finley is one of the better quarterbacks in college football. NC State is ranked this week. They deserve to be ranked this week. That will not be an easy game. But you get it at home, where Syracuse has had a proven track record of success under Dino Babers, beating teams that you're kind of punching up on. And they're not punching that far to beat a team like NC State at Wake Forest, Friday night game against Louisville at the Carrier Dome. We mentioned Notre Dame, and then you finish the season at Boston College. A.J. Dillon, their star running back, already a little banged up, so who knows what they'll look like by then. But the question is, what will Syracuse look like by then? Because the last two seasons, we know what the problem has been. This team has evaporated defensively. Eric Dungy's gotten hurt. But did you notice, not only in this Clemson game, but a trend throughout this season? And it's not just Tommy DeVito coming in for Eric Dungy. It's guys like Andre Sisko and Trill Williams making turnovers on the defensive side of the ball. It's Andre Schmidt coming out of nowhere to be a terrific kicker for Syracuse, 13 to 14 on field goals. And look, it's one thing to drill field goals in the controlled conditions of the carrier dome. That kid went out there and booted a 51 yarder in Death Valley. He is for real other young players that are getting into the game on the offensive side of the ball. Look at Nikeem Johnson, look at Taj Williams and the huge catch that he Taj Harris, pardon me, in the huge catch that he had against Clemson. This team has depth. It has depth in the sense of skill players, it has depth on the offensive and defensive lines, it has confidence and they are rolling in the Dino Baber system. Syracuse is a dangerous team this year in an ACC that has pretty much been turned on its head. Had Syracuse beaten Clemson, it just would have been, you know, Bill Murray from Ghostbusters dogs and cats living together mass hysteria. Can you imagine that? I mean, put aside everything else about beating Clemson, Had they beaten the Tigers, they're in the driver's seat for the ACC championship game. And who knows? With Clemson's quarterback situation, if Kelly uh, Kelly Bryant we know is out, if Trevor Lawrence does not come back for that Clemson team, and Chase Bryce did a pretty decent job in beating Syracuse, they still have Travis Etienne, and they still have one of the best defenses in college football. But if they lose twice and Syracuse can keep winning here, yeah, let's get weird. They could be in the driver's seat for the ACC championship game. As a Syracuse fan, it comes down to this off the Clemson game. You should be happy you're disappointed. When you're disappointed in Syracuse in recent years, it's just been, well, we can't play with that team. We're not on the same level with that team. You should be disappointed because you had Clemson on the ropes. You are on their level and had not only another epic upset, but a huge win that would have meant a lot for this season on the table. The good news is it didn't tank your season. Syracuse can still go through what is absolutely a more manageable schedule than we thought and have a successful season. Now, I think we've all got to realize something here. We've watched college football. We've watched Syracuse enough to know they're going to slip on a banana peel they're going to lose one of these games maybe even this week where it's on the surface a game you should not lose everybody has that bad day where nothing goes right turnovers happen the crowd gets on top of you i remember when syracuse went to wake forest two years ago they go back there this year it was right off the heels of a hurricane and they couldn't get anything going on the offensive side of the ball weather will be a factor i mean something's going to happen but you've got to avoid more games like that than not because I went through some of these teams. Louisville is nowhere near as intimidating and as good as they were under Lamar Jackson. BC is banged up. Notre Dame, while certainly one of the more talented teams in the country, is beatable on a neutral field. North Carolina is a game you just got to take care of business. You are more talented than them. You outmatch them, and that's a home game. So build it into your psyche going down the stretch here that Syracuse will lose a game or two that they absolutely shouldn't because that's just college football. But bottom line, to steal a phrase from Dino Babers, they are back on the map. They almost got back into the AP poll this week off a loss. I have voted, as I mentioned in this poll, for six years. I've never voted a team in off a loss. The question now is, how long can you stay here? Syracuse football has not truly grabbed the rubber stamp and marked them back. But the rubber stamp is on the desk, and the ink is fresh. And Syracuse is ready to proclaim itself back amongst the contenders, the elite, the big time in college football, particularly in the ACC. However you want to phrase that, getting back in that poll will be the strongest indicator that Syracuse football is ready to make a mark. But they've already done it, beating Virginia Tech, Clemson, Florida State, and what they did this past weekend against Clemson. Holding serve, having an 8 or 9 win season. be the first time we've seen one of those around here in a long time. A bowl game should be expected by now. You want to change the expectations of this team, you should expect them to make a bowl game. I think they've shown they are certainly capable of that. It is just great to be talking about Syracuse football here in October, being a relevant team, being in the conversation, with the potential to have a pretty special season. And you know what? As thirsty as we all are for Syracuse basketball, because that team looks pretty darn good, no one around here is asking, sarcastically or otherwise, is it basketball season yet? Let's talk some more Syracuse football. Here's my conversation with Syracuse football beat reporters Nate Mink and Stephen Bailey. All right, the boys are here. They're on the beat. Read it, Syracuse.com. Follow them on Twitter. And, you know, we got to get into life as a beat reporter here, okay? It's not all, you know, fancy press boxes. So, how was your trip home yesterday, boys?
1: In more than four years, Brent, never had any sort of traveling snafu on any leg of any flight. But coming back Sunday morning, I booked actually, I usually book 6 a.m. flights. on Sunday morning.
0: Uh, the, the, the whole the, crew must love that. The boys hate me for yeah. it. <laughs> the boys
1: hate me for it. <laughs> so I gave them a little bit of a gift this week, 933 flight out of Greenville to Ronald Reagan Airport in Washington, D.C. We're on the tarmac in Greenville getting ready to, to take off, and an elderly couple uh, makes their way down the down the aisle at an elderly woman accompanied by her daughter, who's probably in her, in her 50s, going down the aisle to use the restroom. And... A much younger gentleman sort of trails them, also to get in line for the restroom. Um, now my back's turned, but from what I've gathered and what uh, our photographer Dennis, who was in the back row right by the restroom, later oh, explained, no. oh no, uh, the the gentleman making his way behind the the couple uh, had had a little bit of an accident, had an upset stomach. I guess is the uh, the best way to put it. Oh and, boy, um, he threw up. He vomited. He, uh, he vomited uh, on the plane. On the women. <laughs> oh, I. On the
0: women. The, old, the older woman in a
1: yeah. wheelchair.
0: Did you did you witness it. this? Dennis did. Dennis did witness this. So. Oh boy.
1: Now we were already delayed on the tarmac because they had to. There was a snafu with the computer computer system. They had to check the weight of the plane, and then this incident happened. So then the captain gets on uh, the overhead speaker and explains that. We're going to need to be deplaned while the hazmat crew comes in oh, and cleans goodness. up cleans up the mess. <laughs> uh, our connection, you know, we're feeling pretty good. Our connection to Syracuse isn't until 1230. Again, our takeoff was supposed to be 930. We think we have a little bit of time Big
2: here. cushion for us. Big cushion.
1: Uh, we ended up getting back on the plane in Greenville about 11 a.m. or so. Okay. And, you know, the, the pilot, uh, God bless him, he did a great job trying to get to to Ronald Reagan Airport in some, some time. We only, from wheels up to wheels down, probably took an hour. Uh, we had to get our bags on the jet bridge. We ended up getting, you know, at our gate in D.C. around 12.30. Our connection was set to take off at 12.25. <laughs> <So> <laughs> it, was, it was gone oh. by the time we got to the board. Good night. Was, so, oh we're in, no. so we're in D.C. You know, the next available flight to Syracuse is at 10 p.m., so we work with, them, uh, I don't want to say the name of the airline, but we work with uh, the airline attendant. We ended up uh, rerouting to Rochester uh, around 445 or so. We get into Rochester about 530, and we book a rental car and make the 90-minute the drive down the thruway to the airport at 7 o'clock. And... Uh, adventures we are. on the road. We
2: are. And we drive it, home and rewatch the Clemson
0: game. There you go. Now, did you, get, did you get to do a little more work in the airport than you would think? Is it harder to work in the airport? Like, what do you do when you've got these these long delays? So I
2: had a lot of work to do. Um, the hardest thing for me, I had a couple small posts, the batting line for Pittsburgh was released, uh, I do a red shirt watch, I wrote my morning column, I, I pretty much finished it the night before, but I like to re-watch the game on Sundays. So, thankfully... Um Some bootleg YouTuber put up a version of the game, I downloaded it to my laptop <laughs> and I watched it <laughs> on the flight to Rochester and then on the drive to Syracuse. Um, and then I got home and absolutely passed out.
0: There you go, folks. Life is a beat reporter right there. And now we move on to the next thing. Syracuse getting ready for Pittsburgh this week and they're, you know, depending on your favorite uh, for entertainment purposes, only site, Five, five five-and-a-half, six-point favorite. I think it started at four-and-a-half and and jumped up really quickly. Syracuse has not won in Pittsburgh since, what, 2001. But, Stephen, as you wrote, there is no team left on the schedule that Syracuse will look at and say, and Syracuse fans will look at, and we, the media that covers the team, and say, no way. If you push Clemson to the brink, like Syracuse did for a second year in a row, and, of course, last year they upset him, then at least the rest of the schedule doesn't look intimidating. But we know this is football. We know that things happen. We know that injuries happen. We know that you slip on a banana peel here and there. So I'm kind of wondering what the feeling is, what the expectation is this team going forward off that Clemson game.
2: Yeah, it was interesting talking with the guys after the game, and you could really see it on their faces. I mean, it hurt, um, but it was different. I mean, it wasn't the same as losses in the past. You know, Eric Dungy kind of said that. The guys in the locker room, for the first 10 minutes or so, everyone was quiet you know Dino spoke to him and, and then some of the older guys just went around and, and kind of had individual conversations with guys tried to keep them focused and you know I think this team realizes that they probably should have won that game and like if you're in a position where you should beat Clemson you you can beat anyone and um you know well I, th- I think it would be a stretch to expect them to win out or you know 10-11 games would be the margin for error is still pretty thin with that. I mean, this is a team that's capable of winning eight or nine games if you look at the schedule and, you know, if they avoid significant injury. I think they have a little more depth this year, but it's like you said, it's football. Um, so so the vibe was just different. I think Jamal Costas said, we still have all our goals in front of us, you know. Um, it would be tough to, to get into the ACC championship game because you'd, you'd need Clemson to lose twice, uh, but, you know, they're still positioned to be successful this year and well I, I think that makes the Clemson loss sting a little bit worse because you can't help but think what could have been um, you know I think they understand that there's still a lot left to play for and, and you know they they're they're in good position to not only just make a bowl but put together a really special season
0: Nate if this makes sense there are different levels of disappointment if usual disappointment is okay Syracuse is not on that team's level or you know, the usual things happen and and looking at it from like a fan standpoint, like, yeah, when's basketball season? The disappointment here comes from you had them. You were on their level last year. If you want to say it was a fluke, was a fluke. I don't think it was, but if you want to use that argument, two years in a row, you had them there. In our Orange Weekly video, you picked Syracuse to win. You saw an opportunity there. So. You jinxed it. it, Yeah. (laughs) Way to go there, Mink, by the way. Jinxed it. But. If, if this sounds weird to say, but if I'm looking at it from one perspective, I'm happy. I'm disappointed in the way this game went down. Does I that make sense? Th- I think
1: it goes back to your point, the analogy you made a, a little bit earlier about slipping on a banana peel. Syracuse feels a part of the college football conversation, for lack of a better term, where there are heartbreaking outcomes week to week. Um, you know, look at Ohio State's comeback victory against Penn State in a raucous environment, where they came back from 12 points down in the final five or six minutes in the fourth quarter in that game i mean for syracuse to to have a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter to to let it slip away that happens in this sport fairly frequently and just to sort of see the team's growth from 54 nothing down there two years ago to being in that kind of moment on a national televised uh, contest that was seen uh, by millions of people actually did one of the better tv ratings for that noon spot on on abc in in a couple years you got
0: a 3.3 rating that's pretty solid
1: really really shows you how far this team has come and and yeah there's an element of disappointment but had they won that game there would have been a lot of excitement naturally um to some degree they're they're already that hasn't gone away just because they lost the game but because of the nature of this sport like you said banana peels and, and the possibility of slipping down the road you know by no means was it was it going to be skating on to the ACC championship if they had won that game. I mean, they could have slipped up on the road at Wake Forest. They could have slipped up, you know, at Yankee Stadium against Notre Dame or at Boston College in the final game of the season. And that's just sort of the the ebb and flow and and what you get when when you're talking about, you know, this sport.
0: Steven, you watched the tape, and one thing that I want to go over since you've had the opportunity to watch it again is there was a lot of questions about time management. There was a lot of questions about whether Dino Baber should have used a couple timeouts down the stretch in this game. So let's go back to Syracuse gets the ball back. There's 648 to go. They go three and out. They throw the ball three times. They only burn I think about 42 seconds of clock time before they hand it back to Clemson. Clemson gets the ball back and Travis Etienne just tears up the Syracuse defense. The Syracuse defense, as we're going down the stretch here, is gassed. You can clearly see it. Dino Babers leaves those timeouts in his pocket, and the next thing you know, Syracuse doesn't even get the ball back until there's 41 seconds to go. As you boys stood there and listened to it, Dino defended himself there he says he is good at the clock management game i think he challenged somebody to a board game to see like how they would do in that circumstance which i I want to take him up on that just see how it goes but that's a whole different topic for a different day okay yeah exactly he'll 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 beat me soundly but it would be fun to to do second watch perspective hindsight is 2020 of course but should a timeout have been called in in that spot
2: you know, I, I'm right on the fence with it. I, I ultimately don't think it decided the game. You know, looking at that Clemson drive, uh, it was pretty improbable given the situation. Sterling Hoffrichter had a fantastic punt. Uh, I believe there was a penalty on that play, and they were pinned inside the ten. And Clemson ran all over Syracuse. You know, if you go back and watch that drive, they ran the same counter play five or six times. You know, they they pulled center the center number fifty nine. Uh, they had fullback 44 in the backfield, just throwing land blocks, and, and they powered their way through. Um, you know, Syracuse did get them in one position where they could have made a stop, and Chase Bryce threw an outstanding pass. Uh, Syracuse was in cover two. You saw T. Higgins uh, kind of run a bend route. Chris Frederick took the took the flat route coming out of the slot. Andre Sisco was late um, getting to the sideline. And, you know, after that, they went RPO. Bryce kept it, and they went back to that counter play. So. Yeah, you know, I think there's an argument to be made that a a timeout there, clock management aside, gives your defense a chance to reset. To me, that is the best argument toward using a timeout. You just take a breath. All right, you know, we know what's coming. You know, we've still got to win those matchups because, you know, as the game went on, Syracuse's D tackles got pushed more and more out of those running lanes, and that's just kind of natural. That's the way it's going to play out, playing in that environment against that team, but... You needed to stop. Now, from Dino Baber's perspective, this is an offensive-minded coach who has studied time management for 35 years. If you talk to him, he will tell you Homer Smith, who who was um, you know one of his mentors coming up in the coaching ranks, was all about time management, wrote a book about time management. Dino is not on the sideline freezing up. He's got numbers in his head of when he wants to call a timeout. He's thinking, you know, okay, if Clemson scores, I want my timeouts to be there for the offense so we can call them. And ultimately, the way it played out, Syracuse never needed to use a timeout on offense because there was a penalty, they got out of bounds, and then there were a couple of incompletions. It was just never a situation for them to be used. So they ended with two two timeouts, which never looks good. Um, to me, I think they probably lose either way, just because I think Clemson was going to run on them, especially after Bryce hit that completion. Um, but. You know, I think there's a good argument to be had on both sides, and then you know, Dino kind of said after the game it was a teeter-totter situation, and it's easy to criticize him in hindsight. But to me, more of the fault lies with the linebackers for missing their run gaps. Um, Andre Cisco had a, a couple missed tackles, you know, and, and credit to Clemson. Chase Bryce made a fantastic throw on that fourth down. I mean, that for a third-string quarterback to put that ball on the money before the receiver comes out of his break, you know, there's. There's a reason Clemson is really good. They're really talented.
0: Nate, one thing that really jumped out to me about that I take from the Clemson game and I'm curious to watch going forward is when you talk about depth on a football team, and that can mean a lot of things, there's depth at the skill positions. When you have Nikeem Johnson making plays, you have Taj Harris come in make a big catch, and he continues to make an impact. Ed Hedrick's looking like he was going down that road before he got hurt. On the defensive side of the ball, you got Tro Williams making a pick. Andre Sisco, obviously, has been in the right place at the right time a lot. He struggled a bit against Clemson in, in some areas, but still has been pretty solid overall. Andre Schmidt has come in and, and given Syracuse a lockdown kicker, which is just amazing to think about because he was on nobody's radar screen before this. So you have freshmen. When you look at the offensive and defensive lines, I think it speaks for itself how much better they've been. They look like an offensive and defensive line that can that can play with Clemson, and, and they proved it again in this game. So all that being said, what are the steps forward that Syracuse has taken this year that have impressed you the most, and we should keep a close eye on going forward here?
1: Just the fact that some of the underclassmen that they had to play earlier in Dino's tenure are now upperclassmen, and they're physically mature, and they're able to hold up over the course of the season. I think you hit the, the nail on the head. I think the key for this team is going to stay healthy at scrimmage along the offensive and defensive lines and you can even extend that to, to the, the front seven on defense with the linebackers just because they're so reliable or so reliant on those three starters Andrew Armstrong, Kylan Whitner, Ryan Guthrie you know once you start getting banged up uh, you know again on the defensive line and on the, on the offensive line then I think you can see this team maybe take a step back then if you say you know you lose a couple guys in the, in the defensive backfield although they're starting to lose maybe a couple that are starting to get really close to that line where they can't afford to. Lose and I'll jump in bodies. there
0: briefly because Max Keller got hurt in this game too. Right. That's your long snapper. That's a guy you can't afford to lose.
1: Right. And so, you know, I, I think we saw this coming. We forecast this at the beginning of the season. This team had potential to turn a lot of heads if they stayed healthy. And through the first month of the season, they largely done so. And, and they proved through four or five games that they are able to play with anyone on their schedule, uh, As always, the key in the back half of the schedule is going to be, do they have the personnel to be able to maximize that potential?
0: Steven, same question to you. Just overall, what, what has really grabbed you and and what are the key things you'll be watching going down the stretch here. After this Pittsburgh game, they go into a bye week and you can kind of, you know, take a step back and evaluate. And it's almost at the midway point of the season. But I think they've shown, you know, a lot even before that. I think we can start really evaluating what this team can be now.
2: Yeah, I mean I'm gonna hone in on one group and to me it's the defensive line. I think the, the O line has been good. I think they got beat at Clemson. People are gonna say they had good runs and they held their own. Clemson's front four might be the best might be the best of all time. But when push came to shove, Clemson won that battle. But the D line man I mean Alton Robinson is something else and his get off is fantastic you know even Clemson had to chip on him I mean, even Clemson was adjusting to him and that that left Kendall Coleman with some really good opportunities and uh if you go back and watch Kendall's first sack it was an outstanding play it's a designed rollout screen to the left and Kendall reads it he's on a tight end he gets outside leverage and gets to Bryce before the ball goes out and I mean that's To me, that's just a microcosm of Kendall Coleman. And if you talk to him, you can tell how smart he is and how much time he puts in. Um, So, to me, that group more than any other has impressed me. And, you know, I mentioned the DNs. It all starts with Chris Slayton in the middle. They're double teaming him every play. I mean, that guy gets more attention than than anyone I've covered at Syracuse, you know, in in five years. So, it starts up with, with them. You know, I think they've done a really, really good job. And up until Clemson, I think they covered up a linebacker group that is like, is bad you know those guys are are super inexperienced they've been getting eaten up in the run game and uh you know when clemson was able to connect on its blocks up front you know kylan whitner got wiped away a few times um you know ryan guthrie missed a couple fits too Uh, you know he made a couple nice plays in that last drive diving for guys but you, you shouldn't have to be diving for guys you know if everyone's in their run fit and you know those tackles aren't getting pushed out of their fits so you know, we, we saw what happened when Syracuse got moved off scrimmage down the stretch against Clemson, and that really hasn't happened at any other time this year because of how good that front four is.
0: Nate, I'm going to end on this thought. Just give me an assessment of Eric Dungy to this point. Is he doing what he needs to do? Is he having the type of season that you expected? Is it beyond expectation? You know, just Eric Dungy at this point, what are your thoughts?
1: He, he wants to win, and they're 4-1. and one. Going into a, a, another winnable game at Pitt and some opportunities at home after the bye week to to sew up bowl eligibility fairly earlier than they've ever done, uh, really since Paul Pasqualoni, I, I would assume. Um, you know, I, I, like always, I think there's throws he wants back, there's plays he wants back. Uh, is he 100% healthy? It's hard to say that. I don't know to what extent the shoulder has bothered him since the opening game. Uh, certainly... You know he's he's missed on some deep balls. He's he's missed on some crossing patterns over the middle. Uh, by no means would I say he's been perfect, but uh, he's been he's been the leader this team has counted on. He's been an extension of the running game as we've expected, and so you know I think he's 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 holding up his as they like to say 111th. Um, and and you know again it, a, a lot of it I think has to do with. The offensive line up front, and for, for the most part, you know, Clemson ex- exception, uh, they've been able to, to, to have a running game to balance out the offense more so than the last two years.
2: I will kind of say this, just examining the passing game through the first five games. You know, I thought the first four games, for the most part, the wide receivers let Dungy down, um, especially at Western Michigan. I think everyone was talking about that, the drops, but you saw Jamal Custis drop passes against UConn and Florida State. There were no drops at Clemson. I mean, I thought the wide receivers played their best game. And, uh, you know, while there are a lot of points to pick on and say, well, if this went differently, you know, Syracuse could have won. One of them is Dungy's passes. You know, you think back to that fourth and one uh, uh, pop past to Aaron Hackett that got called back correctly for an illegal man downfield. Well, two plays before that, Eric Dungy put a screen in the dirt that was for Nikeem Johnson. Uh, you know, earlier in the game, I think it was Syracuse's first possession where they settled for a field goal. Devin Butler got an inside release out of the slot. No safety help. Dungy puts the ball over. Him. you know if you put that ball in front of him that's touchdown. So you live and die with Eric Dungeon. He scored both of your touchdowns. He's the emotional leader. What he does in the running game forces other teams to create to leave. Guys on islands against Syracuse's receivers. So it was. It was one of the best plays of the year. That ball I mean, was. That ball was floated a little bit. It was a tough pass, field side, but that ball was floated a little bit. And Custis went up and caught the ball through contact. I've that watched
0: that surprised. four or five times now, and every time I watch it, I'm like, I can't believe he held on to that football. So we'll see if that helps him going forward. And it's been a lot of more balance, it seems, on the wide receivers this year. But maybe he made a statement that I'm the number one guy there. We're going to end on that. No, boys, we'll keep reading. Nate and I do a little video every week that you guys should watch. It's called Orange Weekly. It comes out on Thursday. It's all about Syracuse football. It's been very interesting so far. We'll see if that's the case going forward. Thanks for the time today. Thanks for all the great writing and experiencing uh, travel delays to bring us the coverage. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Syracuse Sports Podcast. Hope you can subscribe in iTunes or Google Play to get new episodes or check our iTunes page, Syracuse Sports Podcast, to see some of the past conversations we've had. Scott Hansen from the NFL Network was on a couple weeks ago. He was spectacular. I talked to Bob Costas just a few weeks ago as well. You go back and listen to those old episodes and subscribe to make sure you get new episodes sent right to where you listen to your podcasts, on iTunes or Google Play. Thanks to Stephen Bailey and Nate Mink for hanging with us here, and thanks to you for listening. We'll catch you next time on the Syracuse Sports Podcast. I'm Brent Dax.